Welcome to Kingdom Currents. I'm Glenn Schultz, the host of this podcast, and today I'm going to be talking with Jeff Keaton, founder and director of Renewination. You don't want to miss our discussion. Today, I'm joined by my dear friend, Mr. Jeff Keaton. He is the founder and director of an organization you all need to be familiar with called Renewination. So, Jeff, thank you for being on Kingdom Currents. Thank you, Glenn, and you're my dear friend as well, and mentor, and so it's great to be on here with you. Uh, Jeff, just to get everybody understanding when they hear this word, renew a nation, uh, just take a few minutes and explain what renew a nation is, what you're trying to accomplish. So our vision is to transform culture by giving millions of children a biblical worldview, and our mission is to inspire and equip the family, church, and school to give children a biblical worldview. And uh, Dr. Schultz, you made that family, church, and school famous. <laughs> and it's so great that I use it everywhere now. <laughs> but it really has shaped the uh, mission of our organization. So we have very specific um, ministries focused on the school, obviously, uh, and on the family and on the church to help equip them to give children a biblical worldview. And uh, Christian education is a huge part of our work. Uh, We start new Christian schools. We uh, rebuild struggling schools. We have an online school. We have a teacher educator and, you know, training program. So, and then we have homeschool coaching and help for homeschool parents. So we're, we're in all of the above organization. We, we don't uh, differentiate, uh, you know, between how you give your child a biblical worldview when it comes to especially education. It's, are you giving your child a biblical worldview and what can we do to come alongside and help you be that in Christian schools or in homeschools? You know, Jeff, uh, your background's not education. You were a pastor, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Absolutely. So, 18 and a half years as a senior pastor. What, what caused you to realize that uh, education of our children needed to be addressed differently than what was happening out there in the world? My first church, um, I ended up with about 125 to 150 young people in my early, uh, in my first pastorate. This was a little inner city church in Hollywood, Florida. Uh, God did a miracle there, brought in tons of young families. Uh, Many of them, uh, unfortunately, were coming out of lives of drugs and alcohol. And we have all these children all of a sudden. And uh, almost every one of them was in a public school. So we ended up going into the public schools and leading a Christian club in every middle and senior high school in Brad County, Florida. We had 30 some Christian clubs. And it was, it was, um, I was looking at it from pure discipleship. That's all I was thinking. I didn't have any designs or plans to start to get into Christian education. Uh, I just literally thought when I started going to those schools and seeing what my kids were experiencing, And my kids were coming to me and saying, Pastor, do you understand that everything you teach us at church, they teach us the opposite of school? These are just new church kids. And it began to dawn on me. They've got them for 35 hours a week. And I've got them for two. Who's going to win this battle? And so really that I just got into it by as a pastor saying, I want to do well in discipling our young children. I want them to have a lifelong legacy of faith. Their parents had come to the Lord late in like 35, 45, 50. And I didn't want them to experience all these drugs and alcohol and everything their parents had experienced. And I just became super convinced there that the only way to 
absolutely influence these children and take them away from such negative influences was to have them in a school every single day. And it didn't work out there because we were a very poverty stricken community and church. But when I moved to Virginia a few years later, the Lord opened the door for me to launch a Christian school. And and, uh, that's where I saw the magic that could happen uh, in a school that's on mission in a school that truly has a passion to give kids a biblical worldview. Uh, You can turn out some amazing young men and women. And that's just what we did by the grace of God. Well, and even when you went to Roanoke, Virginia, and and you started pastoring there and looked at Christian schools for your own kids, you got a different uh, response from some of your uh, uh, church board members. Tell us about that. (laughs) I sure did. I'll never forget my first board meeting here in Virginia. Uh, I asked the board, what is the best Christian school in the Roanoke Valley to enroll my second grader in? And one of my board members looked me straight in the face and said, why would you waste your money on a Christian school? And I was shocked, actually. But what I, that is the one question I had failed to ask them what they thought about K-12 education, I, you know, because literally this wasn't a central part of my ministry at that point. And I had two little girls. And, and so this guy shocked me. Come to find out he was a county board of supervisors member. And he was very engaged in the public schools. And he literally looked at me and said, Jeff, our public schools here are basically Christian schools. We have Christian administrators, Christian teachers. And I was 32 years old, and I was actually open to that possibility at that time. That's just how you know disconnected I was from the work of Christian education. I said, okay, well, I'll go down here and tour the school and talk to them. And I went down to the local public school, and it was just a country public school. And uh, they sent a lady out to do the interview who was the vice principal, and she had new age symbols dangling from her ears. And my uh, first response was, well, this we're not off to a good start. And then she told me that my second grader would go through sex education classes and all this, and she couldn't show me the material. And by the time I was there 30 minutes, I said to myself, that's actually the day that I made my mind up to, to go all in with Christian education for my daughters. And I walked out and said to Michelle, over my dead body, will anyone who thinks like that ever have access to my daughter's mind until they're an adult and mature. And that's the day in 2000 that we made the decision. And and, and what was ironic was 24 months later, by divine providence, I didn't have some great design. We launched a Christian school and grew to 388 kids in the first seven years. And the County Board of Supervisors' grandchildren graduated from our Christian school. (laughs) And he ended up loving our school. He just, he was a good guy who didn't know what was going on. Well, think about that. That was back in 2000 uh, when, when, you know, all that we're facing today with what's going on in school systems and parents going to board meetings and everything that was unheard of. But yet you saw it. And, And that's that's what I get amazed because people still think that schooling can be neutral. (laughs) And and you, you have found very different experience. Absolutely. And I think, I think part of the reason I was um, able to discern some of this was because in South Florida, we were in Broward County, which is Fort Lauderdale, North Miami. Um, the, The public schools down there were 20 years ahead on leftist ideas. 
I mean, we had a second grade lesbian teacher in our community right there next to my church in South Florida who gathered all the second grade girls in. This was in the 90s, gathered her second grade girls in, put the boys out of the classroom and told the, all the little second graders they might be lesbians and they ought to start exploring it. This was in the 90s. So I think I was ahead of the curve a little bit as far as being alert because and really what the uh, Board of Supervisors member said to me, he said, Jeff, this isn't South Florida. Those schools are bad down there. These aren't. And to be honest with you, I found out that even though there were many wonderful Christians in those public schools trying their best, they still had very little control over the curriculum, over what was taught, how it was taught. And um, I never regret today, by God's grace, our girls are 29 and 25, and they're serving Jesus. And I was just at one of their houses this weekend and and uh, kept their grandkids, my, my two grandsons, over the weekend. But every night, they take him through catechism and we read, he's got all these things memorized and I had to do it every night and read the Bible with him. He's got his own Bible and he loves it. I mean, he's ready for it. And I thought, I'm glad that I didn't lend my daughter's mind to someone who would make her think that the word of God is insignificant and uh, the fruit of it is, is, is beautiful. You know, and I think sometimes parents, their main focus is They've got to get their child into a good college so that they get good jobs and have comfortable lifestyle. And I can remember you were speaking at a conference that I was at also, and you, you made a statement that there was only one thing you wanted for your girls. What was that? I wanted them to know, love, and serve Jesus with a passion. That was the driving force of, you know, our, our focus with our daughters and, um, uh, you know, it came to athletics. My oldest daughter was a, a all-state basketball player, and uh, we we had to really make a decision. I mean, she was really good, natural, and we had to make a decision: Will we let her do travel ball all summer? Will we let her play on Sundays? Will we, you know? But we brought it up against this prism of what is our goal? To know, love, and serve the Lord Jesus with the passion. And so literally, thankfully, we had won her heart enough that when it came to high school years, when she really was going to need to do all that to go to college with it, she made the decision that she would rather go to church camps and be involved in those kind of activities than sell her soul to that. Now, I'm not saying you can't play travel ball, but I'm just saying it, it was not going to take the place of our, our goals for our daughters to know, love, and serve the Lord. And uh, again, we never regret that. You know, lots of parents are making that mistake today. Travel ball is a huge issue today in the church. Kids are gone, you know, tons of weekends. And what we're saying to our children, unfortunately, is that sports is more important than worship and, and the word of God. And, and we need to be careful. We need to, we need to be balanced on those issues. It was interesting. I, I was reading something that uh, Shane Pruitt, who's a youth evangelist, uh, said once. He said, you know, uh, a, a child maybe has a 0.02% chance of making it uh, to the NFL or, or NBA or something like that. But then he said this, every child has a 100% chance of standing before a holy God when they enter eternity. And I thought, wow, if we could get parents to understand that, it, it would revolutionize how they educate their kids. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I like to say, you know, uh, if your kid makes it to Harvard, but they don't make it to heaven, then it's a complete failure. If they make it to the NBA, but don't make it to heaven, it's a complete failure. And that doesn't mean they can't go to Harvard. It doesn't mean they can't go to the NBA, but you better make sure their priorities are straight before they do. 
Well, and, and one of the things that, that I find hard to convince parents of is to trust God to prepare them for what he has for them mm-hmm. and, and, you know, put the focus on loving God and serving him and, and doing that and let God develop them in what he wants. Uh, sometimes I think we just don't trust God to be able to do that. Absolutely. I, I agree so much. I mean, we have to realize that our children belong to God, first of all. We're just their stewards. We're their managers. And that God has a plan laid out for them. And our number one purpose should be help them discover that plan. And uh, anything that gets in the way of, of what God wants to do in their lives needs to be, uh, you know, pushed to the side so that we can you know, help them find their mission, find their purpose in life. Well, one of the things you also talk about uh, to, to sort of bring what's happening in education forefront to parents and pastors and school educators. You talk about how much error is too much error. Yeah. Walk, walk us through a little bit of that. So actually the question I ask is how much falsehood is too much for your child? And um, I just, I just asked this at a church, uh, what I would call a, a public school church in, in Indiana a couple of weekends ago, and you could hear a pen drop. I mean, the pastor literally said afterwards, that, that got me more than anything else you said, because he had his kid in a high, public high school. He'd been in a Christian school, and then he decided to put him in a public high school, and boy, he shook it. This, but I like to ask the question, how much falsehood is too much? And I'll ask you know, silly things like, if a school was teaching your child two plus two is seven, would that be too much falsehood? If they were teaching us fact that a, a turtle is faster than a cheetah, would that be too much falsehood? If they were teaching that George Washington was the king of England, would that be too much falsehood? And I'm serious. I'll stop sometime. How many of you send your kid teaching these things to your kids? How many people say, I wouldn't do it? No. And then I stop and say, but what if they were teaching that God is irrelevant or even non-existent? What if they were teaching that the Bible cannot be trusted or believed? What if they were teaching that same-sex marriage is good and normal? And I just go down this list, which they're teaching all of those things. And I, I stop at the end and I say, so two plus two is seven is too much falsehood. But this other stuff is not enough. And I just think at the end of the day, we're just like the Christian parents across America are like the frog in the kettle. They, they have just gotten so used to the falsehood that's being poured into their kids. And some of their kids kind of made it. They didn't walk away from the faith. And so they say, see, my kid made it. Uh, now, they don't they don't realize or they don't you know focus on the 70 or 80 percent of the kids that walk away from the evangelical faith. They're, a lot of them think it's the college experience. But what I like to say is the K-12 experience, it undercuts the foundation of the child in, in their belief in the word of God and the authority of Scripture. And then when they get to college, one punch in the face by a bad professor just topples them. But it's already been for 12 or 13 years. God has been relegated to something other than the real world. And, and, and that's the tragedy. I, I like to say to people that the real tragedy of secularized education, be it in a public school or a private school, is that you teach children in 13 years that God has nothing to do with math, science, history, biology. God has something only to do with your church setting, your private faith. You know, when you pray, when you go to church, when you sing worship songs, that's God's realm. 
God has nothing to do with this realm, the real world. And you create, as you like to say, the sacred secular divide. And we yep. do have a lot of young people who didn't walk away from the faith, but they sit on our evangelical pews every Sunday and don't take it serious because this is just my emotional world. This is where I learn to cope and I pray to God and he gives me encouragement and I have small groups and they encourage me through the problems of life. But God really has nothing to do with my banking job tomorrow when I go to, go to work. And I think that is probably the greatest curse of secularized education. And uh, here, here's my thought. We got a three to four year win window right now. Parents have been shocked by transgenderism, by critical race theory. And we've had two, three, four million kids come out of public schools in the last 24 months. What a miracle. Praise God. The parents who leave their kids in there much longer, though, are going to get used to it. And in two to three to four years, Christian parents, it will not bother them that boys are in their girls' locker room and bathrooms. If we don't, if parents don't act now, if they can't be shocked out of that system now, they will never be shocked out of that system. Well, I've often believed that what happens uh, back when I entered Christian education 50 plus years ago, I, I, I couldn't understand why parents would keep their kids in secular education. Mm -hmm. But then today I said, oh, they definitely won't now. But parents today are more secularized themselves. Yes. So they still don't see the line. Exactly. <laughs> they don't understand it. They think, oh, we're, we're still we're still covering that at home and at church for for maybe half an hour a week. And yeah. it's just not going to happen. You know, um, as you go in then, and, and we see Christian school enrollments exploding, uh, and, and it, it's fun to talk to school administrators because maybe for the first time in their leadership roles, they haven't been worried about budget. Exactly. But, but what are some worries or alarms that you see in Christian schools, even though it seems like a lot more students are coming, but boy, we better give some attention to some things. What, what are some areas? I, I think it's mission drift uh, at, at its core is, you know, Christian schools, most of them were launched with a sincere desire to give children a, a Christian worldview, a biblical worldview. Those weren't always the terms we were using, but we really wanted to, to you know, immerse everything in God and in the word of God. And uh, as a school gets older and stronger, they, they get some other priorities, um, especially if you're successful early on. You can uh, end up with people on your board, on your leadership team that have a different vision for your school. They become prep schools. They become schools that are more worried about how many of their kids are going to Ivy League schools after graduation than they do kids who are in love with the Lord Jesus. And so I, I would say three things, that I, three concerns I see right now. Um, I think that we have biblically unqualified teachers and administrators in, in vast numbers. Here's what's happening. Thank God our schools are growing like crazy. But in order to keep up with that growth, we've hired tons. And this is another beautiful thing. Public school teachers, Christian public school teachers are leaving the public schools in droves right now. Praise God. They're done with it, too. However, if they've been trained in secularized schools from kindergarten through their master's degree, they don't really teach from a biblical philosophy. They don't teach from a biblical methodology. And so we are filling up our Christian schools with wonderful Christian people who are utterly secularized. So I think that is a critical issue. And I think that now more than ever, the kind of training that you offer, Glenn, the kind of training that we offer at Renew Nation, um, 
Now more than ever, these schools had better get their teachers in biblical worldview training because especially their newer ones, because uh, they're going to take their school in a very different direction. I also see some uh, some schools embracing critical theory, whether it be in social, you know, this whole social justice wokeness thing. Um, and, 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 and that that troubles me deeply because they've been deceived. Um, by the way, Colorado Christian University came out, I think it was yesterday I saw it, with the greatest statement on critical race theory that I have seen written yet. Did you see that, Glenn? No, I didn't see it. Okay, no. uh, Dr. Overman, our mutual friend, sent that to me yesterday. I will try to send that to you. I think it's a, a statement that every Christian school in the country ought to look at. It's concise, it's to the point, it's balanced, and it's fantastic. I, I see that. And then the other issue that I see the, with the huge influx of public schools, the LGBTQ influence is coming into our Christian schools rapidly. And I hardly know a sizable, I'm saying two, three, 400 size Christian school and above. I hardly know any of them that do not have students who are calling themselves LGBTQ. And some schools are acquiescing to it. Other schools are taking a strong stand, a graceful stand, a merciful stand, but they're not allowing kids. Once you allow kids to come into your school and declare that they are this or that uh, gay or whatever, and it becomes known. It's like, it's like a club. It's like anybody who doesn't feel like they fit somewhere else ends up falling into that peer pressure and that peer group. And so I think, uh, I think those are some of the hottest issues that I see in Christian education. Um, and you saw the Christian Academy of Louisville uh, last week, uh, you know, is trying, they're trying to humiliate them. W-A-V-E-T-V. I've known of that since I was a kid. Uh, they, you know, all they did, and, and you probably saw this, was they wrote a teacher said, write a friend to uh, write a letter to your friend who says they're homosexual and explain to them in a loving and gracious and gentle way what the Bible. I mean, it was such a beautiful thing. And yes. they are yeah. literally being crucified. The question is, and I believe they will. I don't know their leaders, but will they stand or will they bow to that pressure? And that's what's coming. Moeller wrote a great piece on this in the last couple of days, a great piece. Um, will Christian schools stand when they're crucified publicly for not giving in to this LGBTQ agenda, et cetera? Um, and I think that's going to be a defining issue. And, and as a Moeller said, it's going to show us who's truly Christian in the next little bit and who's not. Well, and what, what is interesting, and I think this is where uh, Christian school administrators have to take note, uh, how this all became public was a parent yes. of the child who had the assignment, gave it to the LGBTQ community, who then took it locally, and then it was picked up nationally, and, and then supposedly, again, other parents from the school were outraged and supposedly one alumnus even said the school should apologize for calling homosexuality a sin because they no longer do it. So it, it, it's not just a wake-up call that the world's going to attack us, but we've got to be more intentional with our parents yes. <laughs> to help them understand their responsibilities and how God's word is still true. And, yes. uh, I think sometimes we just look at the world and say, oh, we expect that from the world. But again, we, we've got parents who were accepting in our schools, which praise the Lord, we get an opportunity to share the gospel with them yeah. and their children. But at the same time, they're not going to have the same belief system. Right. So we've got to be prepared for that.
Yes, and I think it's coming fast and furious, to be honest with you. Yeah, and Moeller's piece was very good. I I know I uh, linked to it in my blog this week when we did it. But, uh, you know, tell us a little bit of some resources. I know uh, Dr. Josh Mulvihill is with Renew a Nation, and he's got a couple resources out there because I'm sure there's parents and, and teachers that say, hey, we need some help. Yeah. Uh, let me just give you two or three. Josh is a prolific writer. He's phenomenal. He leads our church and family division. He wrote a, a what we call a primer on biblical worldview, biblical worldview, what it is, why it matters, and how to pass it on to the next generation. Uh, it is a tremendous, uh, what I call, basic book on biblical worldview with core truths. A lot of churches and, and are using it as a Bible study, and we just had a 35-page um, uh, study guide written for it, so that's going to be out soon. Um, he d- does have seven books on biblical grandparenting. If schools really need to focus on their grandparents, uh, he's got some great material there. And then the latest book is 50 Things Every Child Needs to Know Before Leaving Home. It's a phenomenal resource. Uh, it is, uh, it's a workbook. It's a, a guide. It's a planner. It's a keepsake. You give it to your child. There's all kinds of places to put pictures of when your child did all these things as you were teaching them growing up. And when they leave home, you put this book in their hands. It, it's a treasure. And we're selling thousands of them by God's grace. And uh, so those are some real helpful things. Every Christian school tells me they're trying to better engage their parents. You know, here's the bottom line about Christian schools. You're only going to be as good as your parents are invested because there's no possible way if the parents have nothing to do with the school or nothing to do with training children at home that these kids are going to you're going to accomplish your goals. So these are some resources that are super helpful to parents and grandparents. Uh, And and with that, we're doing a conference called Parenting with a Plan now. Uh, We're booked all the way into next year. Right now we're booking next year Um, and some really cool conferences to come alongside Christian schools and help them uh, get their parents and grandparents really engaged. Well, Jeff, you know, uh, I'm going to tell our listeners what you need to do is go to a very simple website, renewanation.org, all one word, spelled just the way it sounds, renewanation.org. Find out about 50 things, biblical worldview. Uh, Also, there's an Illumined, which is an online academy that would offer things to uh, homeschoolers, to parents, to to anybody. And it's just exciting. I, I'm privileged to serve on the board of Renew a Nation, and I just appreciate all that you're doing, Jeff. And uh, I just pray that uh, we would raise up a whole new generation of parents and pastors who will understand that they've got to address the issue of education biblically so that we can make disciples of the next generation. So I want to thank people for tuning in to this episode of uh, Kingdom Currents. Uh, I hope that you'll go to my website, kingdomeducationministries.com, for some more resources. And uh, let's make sure that we do all we can to raise the next generation to love Jesus and serve him. Thank you, Jeff. Have a good day. Hi, 
I'm Jessica Gake, Director of Curriculum and Instruction for Online Learning at Northwest Christian School. NCS has made Biblical Worldview online courses available to all high school students for transcript credit, regardless of whether they attend public, private, or homeschool. Frameworks has developed these courses using subject matter experts and curriculum from Summit Ministries, Young Life, Stand to Reason, and many others. For more information, visit BibleClassesForPublicSchools.com. 